Good morning, Axis Mason, everybody online. If you haven't noticed, I'm not a Sam's and I'm not a CrossFit trainer. So if you can bear with that and bear with me, I hope God can speak to us this morning. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm Andrew. I get the privilege of being on staff here at Axis Church. And I get the most awesome privilege of helping lead our student communities, which are some of the best students in the world. A little bit more about my personality for those of you that may not know me as well as Josh or Steven. Um, first thing, I'm very skilled. Incredibly skilled. Probably the best in this room at awkward social interactions. Really good at them. Some of you guys may have got to see that skill in action. Um, second, uh, sometimes when people first meet me, I can come off as a bit extra little much sometimes. I sometimes act like I know people a lot better than I do the first time I meet them. <laughs> and uh, I also tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. And uh, I like to think I'm an honest and transparent person. So if it's cool with you guys, I'd like to be brutally honest this morning. Is that cool? All right. Um, so I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Right now, uh, with everything going on, I'm really, really struggling. Um, it's just such a difficult time, and there's so much negativity and hate and disagreement online and even in person with just all of the issues we're facing today. And it just, I struggle a lot with that, and I, I struggle even more because we're faced with problems where it's not easy to know what to do. It's, it's easy to know what we're aiming for and what we hope happens one day, but I'm struggling with knowing what do I do tomorrow about this, how do I interact with this, how I talk about this. I know what the goal is, but sometimes it's hard to know exactly what the solutions and the processes we should do in the meantime are. So maybe you relate to me on that. I find oftentimes when we struggle the most, those are the times when we most need God and the times we most rely on him. And so one way I like to do that is to pray to him. So if you'd join me in that this morning. God, I thank you so much. Most of all that you made each and every single one of us in your image. And that you love us completely. Father, I just pray today for wisdom and discernment for each and every single one of us. That you would help us know how to approach situations and love people and love you well. I pray that each of us would receive grace for when we misspeak, are misinformed, and make mistakes. I pray we would give grace to our brothers and sisters when they do the same, and that we would all receive your grace. And I pray most of all that the primary virtue that motivates each and every single one of us in these times and going forward is love, and that the next generation in this country would grow up and see that modeled for them, and that that would be the primary virtue for them as well. I pray all this the only way I can pray, and that's through your spirit, and in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so I told you guys a little about myself. I'd like to know a little bit about you guys. So I have a question this morning for all of us to answer. So after I describe it, raise your hand if that's you. So when it is in the realm or role of being a parent, 
or maybe a spouse, as a worker, employee, boss, or if you're younger, as a student or kid, that you feel like, at times, it would be nice to get a little more credit, a little more respect, a little more admiration, or a little more appreciation. Who here would say, yeah, I relate to that? All right, yeah. I think we all do. It's very common in the human experience to feel like, even though we're trying our best, sometimes what we do and who we are is underappreciated, or maybe people don't always notice. I think some of the most underappreciated people in the world though, are pilots, and I realized that the last time. So I'm walking through the airport on my way on my flight out west, and I get stopped by the lovely people at TSA. Now, I don't know how many threats they actually stop, but they love stopping me, and they're really, really good at that job. So I'm walking through the airport. I get stopped. And I get to go on one of the new cool high-tech body scanners where you go like this, and it pinpoints exactly on your body where the issue is. So I'm walking through, stop, full body scanner, and it pinpoints right on my collarbone where I have a metal plate, screws, and uh, a bar. So between that and my name being Andrew Robert Smith, which used to be shared by someone on the no-fly list, and a penchant for bringing knife collections, strange powders, and toy guns, me and the TSA always hang out a lot whenever I fly. So I skit scan, boom, and it pinpoints on my collarbone, and then it pinpoints another area, an area a little bit lower where is probably the worst area that you would want there to be an issue that needs to be investigated. And so me and Clay from TSA got to know each other very well that day, and I got frisked and investigated places you would never hope or dream to get investigated. So that happened. I'm a little flustered. I hop on my plane. I've just been frisked. And behind me, there's this little kid. We'll call him Braylon. Now, Braylon, I'm sure, was the most lovely little kid. But for whatever reason, he hated my chair. I don't know what beef he and my chair had. I don't know if they had a history. But he wanted to kick my chair, and he did it a lot. The doom, the doom, the doom, the entire flight. I don't know what the, if, the, if the chair insulted him or stole something of his. But he hated my chair specifically, specifically the back of it. So, da-dung, da-dung, the whole flight. Meanwhile, I'm flying Allegiant because your boy ball's on a budget. So I have about this much leg room. I'm about this tall, and my legs are looking like this. So I'm like this. I just got frisked, and da-dung, da-dung. I'm looking back at his mom. We'll call her Karen. And I'm like, Karen, can you please help a brother out? I don't actually say anything because that would probably be rude, but I just keep giving her the look like, you know, take care of your child. One of these. But no, the whole flight, Braylon. Now in front of me, to make matters even better, were two lovely elderly women. We'll call them. They were best. And they found the Allegiant drink menu. And then things just got loud and annoying and dramatic. The whole flight, uh, it was bad. 
So I'm like this, dun, the whole flight just got for us, the dun, the dun, the whole flight, five hours out west. By the end of the flight, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm over the Allegiant experience. And I'm so ready to get off. I'm frustrated. And it takes us an extra half hour of taxiing around the airport to finally dock. Now, at this point, everyone starts getting frustrated. Braylon, Karen, Tina and Luis, everyone is like, when are we going to get off this flight? How hard is it to land? I have to be placed. Everyone just complaining, complaining, complaining. Now, the pilots overhear everyone complaining and being frustrated. So as we dock, the pilot gets out of the cockpit, grabs the microphone, and goes, Are you kidding me? Y'all just witnessed a miracle. I took a giant metal tube and flew. Any of y'all can do that? I took all 50 of y'all in the air all the way across the country. Can I get an ounce of respect for that? And everybody stood up and gave him a standing O. No, you see, unlike Stephen Sam's, I will tell you when a story is not true. And the, la the last half of that story is not true. No. We stood grumbling and complaining, and we walked off of our flight, and I'm sure the pilots did overhear us, and we complained and made fun of how long it took them, and we went on our way. And they said nothing. They simply did their job the best that they could, and I'm sure that day they felt a little underappreciated and like they didn't get the credit that they deserved. So maybe to that maybe not that dramatic but as you do your best as a spouse which I've never experienced but I've heard it's pretty tough <laughs> or maybe as a parent which I also haven't experienced and you guys have lovely kids but I also know that's really tough or, or even as an employee as a boss maybe you own a company or you're younger as a kid that maybe sometimes you try the best you can and you wish maybe you got a little more appreciation, a little more admiration, a little more credit, a little more respect. I think we could put all of those desires under the desire to want honor. Now, that might seem a little more to say, I can't help but want honor. I want honor. That might sound prideful. But if you look up in Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, uh, one use of the word honor is simply a showing of merited respect or recognition. Saying I want honor is not prideful, it's merited. So it's saying I just want the merited uh, or due credit that I deserve or appreciation or recognition that I deserve. That's it. Not above that, but just what I feel like I've merited. So sometimes we associate the word honor with like God or honoring the president or honoring a king maybe. But that term could be used to relate to our human experience of just wanting recognition. So, we sometimes could maybe say, well, you know, is that desire wrong? Or am I supposed to have that? You know, that, that might seem a little self-centered. But I think it's a completely natural desire to have. As natural in my blood as I love Grater's Black Raspberry Chip. As natural to me as I love deep dish pizza, as naturally and deep in bread as 
my blood as I want Star Wars to stop making bad sequels and spinoffs that ruin the original. As natural as me, as a natural-born Seattlean, want the Seattle Supersonics to finally return back to Seattle and become an NBA franchise once again. I know no one else can relate to that, but that is deeply in <laughs> my DNA. Just as natural as that and even more is the desire to want honor in the human experience. You can see that if you go out in the world and interact with other people, it's natural. And even if you look in God's word, where if you look in God's word, we are created, formed, made, each and every single one of us, for a different reality than we experience. We are created, and the idea was that we would be physically present with the God of the universe that would love and care and admire us completely and fully, all that we could ever want, and we would show him honor in return. Now we would interact with other human beings that were perfect, flawless, and that would always admire us, always appreciate us, always notice us. But that's not our present reality. And so we are left with a deficit for honor. Because that's not the reality we experience. We're left with a craving for honor, like a battery on 20%. And so we're going to jump into Scripture, into God's Word, and see how we can get this craving and this deficit for honor met. If you want to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 10. So Paul of Jerusalem, in a letter to people living in Rome, Roman citizens in the first century A.D., completely different from us, very different experiences, ethnicities, and cultures, but the same human experiences that we have. And Paul gives this command. In chapter 12, verse 10, part B, he says this, to honor one another above yourselves. So we have this craving for honor. We have this deficit for honor that's not being met. And Paul says to honor one another above yourself. Which I, if all of us want honor and we're not getting enough honor, Paul's telling us to give it away. To give away honor. To honor one another. Seems to say just the opposite. And these five words, it, it's a pretty simple concept, right? Honor one another above yourselves. We've probably all heard that. And so we, we could say that, and we could be, all right, let's all honor one another above ourselves and, and go on our way. But I think when we read God's word and just take our first thought on it and think that's the full and complete meaning of that scripture and move on with our day, I times we are missing the fullness and the depth of God's word to us. You see... The Bible, God's Word, was not written in modern-day English. It wasn't even written in King James English. It was written in multiple languages, by multiple people, over 40 in fact, multiple books of people of different ethnicities, cultures, races, geographical locations, over thousands of years, 
and God orchestrated through people, people to compile text, to write text, and to put it all together so that God could actually communicate with us through all of human history through a written word. And I think that's amazing. But one of the hard things is sometimes in the original language is it communicates ideas and words that we don't have words for in modern day English. And so to get the full and deep meaning, sometimes it takes a little extra reading. Now, it might sound difficult to dig into the Greek, the original meaning, but thankfully there's a lot of really smart people, a lot smarter than me, that have already done the work. I took a semester of Greek, uh, New Testament Greek. It was horrible. So thankfully there's people out there to do the work for us. So one easy thing right away you could do is look other versions of this text. So this is in the NIV. So honor one another above yourselves. But in the NKJV, New King James, it says, in honor, giving preference to one another. Or in the NLT, it says, and take delight in honoring each other. In the message, it says, practice playing second fiddle. So as we read other translations, we get a fuller meaning of this concept, honor one another above yourselves. So it's not just this action. But it seems to be a preference. It seems to be a delight. It seems to be something that is ongoing, is deeper in who we are than just single action as we approach other translations. See, sometimes when we read scripture and take our first reaction as the full, complete meaning of that text, it can lead us a little astray, which happened to me. So no one in my family has ever been a pastor a missionary, anything like that. So I was just a normal kid. My dad was in the Air Force. My mom was in the So I took whatever the pastor's kid at my church said as pretty much truth. So one of my best friends was one of the pastor's kids, and so he would always fill me in on stuff about the Bible. One specific we mixed mix up we had that, that kept coming up over and over as we grew up, the word circumcision. Now, he told me that circumcision means what the word castration means, which is a very opposite thing, a very much worse thing, and something if you are a male member of the human species, you would not want to have occurred to you. So as we began to approach this circumcision in the Bible, we got really confused because we would read in Scripture, you know, all the Hebrew children on the seventh day, and we were like, no. And then it was like, all right, everybody, God commands you, get circumcised. And we're like, why would God tell us to do that? And then it's like, all right, in the New Testament, everybody circumcise your hearts. You know what I'm saying? Circumcise your hearts like you circumcised your flesh. And we're like, but why? That sounds horrible. And it finally reached a point where we were with our uh, kid, adult leader of the time. And he begins to describe in vivid detail how painful it was to get his infant son circumcised. So he begins to describe it, and he says, like, I knew it was going to be hard on him. And we're like, well, duh. And he's like, I knew my kid was going to be in pain. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, but I knew that God commanded my son to get circumcised. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Why did God command us to do this? And he's like, it's not 
guys. I know all y'all are probably circumcised. And everyone's like, yeah. And we're like, what? Everyone else in this room is circumcised? And we were so shocked and visibly horrified at this discussion that our group leader sat us down and explained to us what that word actually meant in the Bible. And everything became a lot more clear to us and a lot less horrified. So sometimes, maybe it's not as drastic as that, but we read scripture and, and our first reaction of what we think it means, we take that as the full and complete truth. And I think sometimes we miss the deeper, truer meaning. So I'm going to dive into the Greek a little bit that I was originally written in. So this phrase, honor one another above yourselves, in the original writing would look something like this. And read something like, one another in honor, esteeming. And this word, this Greek word for esteeming, begins to explain this concept a little deeper. So honor one another above yourselves. So it's this concept, the Greek word, it means to lead ahead, to go ahead, to go before, to give preference. So it's this concept that our desire to give honor or our desire to honor others above wanting honor for ourselves is actually led ahead, preferred, or goes before our desire to receive or want honor. It's like this. I'm balling on a budget, and I love Little Caesars. Now, some of you guys are already judging me for my taste, but it is $5 for an entire pizza. You can't beat that. So I love Little Caesars, and I have this desire for Little Caesars pizza. Now, if someone brings up two words, specifically two cities, it's, it's a whole new story. If someone mentions two cities pizza, my desire for Little Caesars doesn't go away. My desire for Little Caesars isn't wrong, but my desire for two cities leads ahead, goes before, is preferred, so far supersedes and exceeds my desire for Little Caesars. Can anybody relate? Best pizza in Cincy, let's go, right? But that's this, this concept that it's communicating. Not that we don't still want honor for ourselves, not that we don't still want recognition, but that our desire to give it away and give honor to others leads ahead, is preferred, and goes above our desire to want. So, we don't just say, I can't help but want honor, but instead, I can't help but want to give honor even more than I want honor. And that is what I hope we could all do. And I think in some crazy way, if we, as a community of God, did that for each other, that our desire for honor would be met more than before. That if we didn't just walk around and look to receive honor, but instead look to give it to each other that our desire for honor would actually be met by the people of God that we interact, live, and work with. And I think that would be a pretty awesome reality to live in in a pretty awesome world. But as incredible as that sounds, it's impossible. It's impossible for me and you to do that. We are thoroughly incapable of doing so. I can remember a time when things were impossible for me. Uh, I used to play basketball back in the day, average 3.6 points, no big deal. And uh, there was one time where I broke my collarbone. 
Now, typically when someone breaks their collarbone, which I had before, it breaks like this, heals pretty naturally, and it doesn't take that long to heal. But I broke it so bad the second time that I went, and there was muscle and tissue in there, and it was not going to heal naturally. So I had to have this very intense surgery where I got the aforementioned plate and bar and screws implanted, and it took months and months for me to recover fully from that surgery. So I walked out of that surgery uh, on a lot of painkillers, felt great, and uh, I was also wearing a sling and some backpack straps, but not, it was like a Dora backpack without cool talking back, it was just the straps, these milky white, slightly tan, dirty looking straps on my back like 24-7 with a sling, which as a junior in high school male was not the coolest look. So, things that I wanted to do, things that I desired to do, suddenly became impossible because of my brokenness. As much as I wanted to do them, I was thoroughly incapable of doing so because of my brokenness. And so, as I began to live my life, I found it was impossible to put on a shirt. So, I had to wear zip-ups for three months, which as a junior and high school male, also not the coolest. And, and as much as I wanted to drive my car, I couldn't move the whole left side of my torso. So I was thoroughly incapable of driving a car because of my brokenness. And the thing that hurt me most of all was my desire and want to talk to girls, to flirt with girls, to get girls to take me seriously and maybe take me on a date. And because of my brokenness, it was impossible thoroughly incapable was I of doing so, and I think it was completely on the collarbone. At least that's what I told myself. <laughs> Probably not, um, right? But the, the concept is I desire to do these things, but they are impossible, and I was incapable of doing so because of my brokenness, and that's how we are. We hear ideals that we want to strive for, and concepts like, I want to go out, and I want to desire to give honor more than receive it. But because of our inherent flawed brokenness, we're incapable. Now, to be clear, we're all made in the image of God. We're broken, but we're made in the image of God. And we can all show flashes of brilliance, and we can show aspects of God to others. And to be clear, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God sees you spiritually as whole, complete, perfect, and flawless, just as Jesus Christ. And one day, you will physically, presently, spiritually be with God and be flawless, perfect, one day in eternity. But here today, though all of those things are still true, we're still broken. And you can see that. If you go out and interact with anyone in the world, you can see that. As good of intentions as we have, as great as our ideals are as humans, we still misspeak, we make mistakes, we have self-centered motivations and ill intentions sometimes, every single one of us. And you can see that. You can see it maybe even more so outside of the United States. We're in the 21st century, and countries like North Korea still exist. 
that as great as the ideals and the goals of humanity are, our brokenness means that countries like that and oppression like that can still exist. Because it's just inherent reality that we are well flawed and broken. If you want to see it even more evidently, read about people in God's story. The heroes of the faith, the people of God that we talk about in Sunday school, those very people, if you dig through Scripture, committed horrible atrocities. Cheated, lied, self-centered, committed adultery, did wrong over and over. The people of God, the people in God's word, those people are much more obviously flawed than you and me. It's a fact of human existence that we are flawed and broken. And that ideals like this naturally are impossible. Now, I think this is impossible, but I think it's impossible without God. And as the band comes up, I want to offer this hope. I hope that we all desire to give honor more than receive it. And I think that is possible with God. And I think that because in Romans 12, earlier in the chapter, verse 2, it tells us this, that there is a God that is interested in something with us. And he's interested in transformation. That Romans 12, 2 says that God can transform us thoroughly through the very renewal of our minds. That God is not interested in behavioral correction of us. That God is not interested in making us a little more moral or talk a little nicer or curse a little less. But that God, through his spirit, is interested in completely transforming us from the inside out. Not just making us a better person, not just making us our best self, but making us a completely new person and a new self. The Bible talks about new birth. And that God could thoroughly transform who we are from the inside out. Our thoughts, motivations, desires, and actions. And here's my hope. That day by day, we rely on our relationship with God. And we abide in Him and rely on each other as the people of God. And that slowly but surely we would be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That our thoughts and that our actions, our desires and our motivations would slowly be changed because of our relationship with God. And that things like desiring to give honor more than receive it would start to be possible with God. And that's my hope if you want to join me in prayer. God, I thank you so much, Father. I thank you that you inspired so many people over thousands of years.